up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Okay, okay. Let me say one more. Welcome to Chronicles. Okay, good, good. Welcome to Fully... Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be well. like that. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Chronically Fully Sick. Uh, we're recording today on the stolen lands of the Guana, Yagara, and Kulin nations. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this was and always will be Aboriginal lands. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Chronically Fully Sick. It's episode eight. Yay. Which is <sighs> unbelievable. But, um, my name is Chloe Sargent. I am a uh, queer writer, a makeup enthusiast, and fibromyalgia sufferer. It's pain all the time. And mm. with me is fellow fibro warrior Joanna Nelson, who is a failed politician, soy flat white sipper, dog lover, and champagne socialist. Uh, we are the world's most critically tolerated podcast about <laughs> chronic pain, illness, and punching Nazis. Uh, if you want to get updates on us and the Chronically Fully Sick podcast, you can do that on Twitter at Chronic Full Sick, Instagram Chronically Fully Sick, uh, our group on Facebook, which you should be able to find if searching, I believe. And uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe because we are very talented and professional podcasters. Wow. Okay, so we fucked that up pretty bad at the start but we got there yeah, better than usual the intro was pretty good i think we did well mm. Mm. so we how have, are you joe i'm okay i've been sleeping a lot i slept through my pilates class this morning which was pretty cool I've yes just your fatigue is kicking your ass isn't it it is it's really quite bad how are you um, not too bad there is a enormous thunderstorm currently happening around me um so you know, if uh, the sound drops out or something like that or the internet cuts, then, um, yeah, just uh, check to see if I've survived, I guess. The, um, it's very or scary. Or if I see my... you get struck by lightning <laughs> struck. on Zoom, like that yeah. could be a thing. <laughs> we'd, we'd definitely go viral if that was the case. Um, yeah, my dog's having a panic attack. It's all, it's all fun stuff. So, um, mm. yeah. And also my body hates humidity, which I didn't think I'd get much of here in Adelaide, but turns out that, uh, yeah thunderstorms equal humidity here now there has been some discussion of this um this week with the community mm. um but i have found and i think a couple of other people have too that have fibro have found that heat and humidity is really much more of a bitch than cold yeah i know we've we've chosen a good country to live in i think throughout my time sort of in the online spaces for the chronic illness community i found it's way more common for spoonies to have flare-ups or to complain that like their flare-ups get worse uh, in winter. Whereas we were saying that we're the exact opposite, that we get more mm. flare-ups during summer, like the hot weather. So again, we've chosen to live in a very ridiculous country, seeing as that's mm. the case. But, you know, mm. we persevere. I didn't ask to be born, Chloe. No, I didn't ask to be here. <laughs> no. Rude. Now, Rude. I just want to, um, the listeners obviously cannot see me, but I'm just going to hold this little book up here. Oh. That I've got, that I got in the mail on Friday. Yes. Now, do you want to talk a little bit about this book that I've got in my little hands? Yes, it's actually funny. You've actually received a copy of this book and I haven't gotten any of mine yet. So, because um, mm. obviously I have ordered multiple copies for my mother and the like. Um, but the book is uh, called New Voices on Food and uh, it is a food writing anthology edited by the amazing Lee Tran Lam, um, who I absolutely adore and admire. And yes, I've got a piece in it, which I've forgotten the title of because fibro fog's really bad, but um, it's all about... <laughs> You are all, a piece. Yeah, I am. It's not. It's not great. It's not great. Oh my god! But, um, the freaking oh, how becoming chronically ill changed my relationship made with me, food. Made me fall in love with food. Yes, there we go. That's it's you know same diff. Um, but yes, a cartoon it is. of you with lip injections, looking at the yeah. cabanossi sausage in the. Is that right? Did I say that? Right. Well, we now Adelaide is called Fritz, but uh, that's uh, fine. I guess there it is. Ugh. It says Fritz right there. Fritz. We've discussed. It. I was disgusted by this. On an earlier podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, in Adelaide, we call everything different and Joe despises it. <laughs> I hate difference. 
Yeah, <laughs> difference is bad, which is obviously the tagline of the book. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> Diversity but no, it's, in food media is, in fact, the tagline. <laughs> yes, the opposite of what Joe believes. Um, but no, it's, it's a really, really wonderful book. And uh, Lee Tran Lam has uh, pulled together a, like, a huge bunch of really amazing emerging writers from all different backgrounds, ethnicities, absolutely everyone that you could think of, their voices in the mix. And it's really, really gorgeous. Um, and the writing in there is absolutely stunning. So, yes, I've got a... You know, I say myself. Uh, <laughs> I've got one piece in there as well as an illustration, which Joe mentioned I made myself look <laughs> like I have lip fillers, which is I responded to her by saying, bitch, if I had the money, I probably would. So, you know, maybe mm. I just I drew myself how I wanted to be, Joe, and I think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I dress for the job you I'm want. So-, <laughs> uh, so, yes, it's yes. very good. And where can people get that? Uh, so if you go to if you look up some kind press, uh, they are a small micro publisher that um, have put this book together, and so you can order it online. And so copies are, yeah, just starting to reach people at the moment, which is really, really cool. And like I said, Joe received hers before I've even received mine, so I haven't even seen the book yet. So <laughs> someone knocked on the door, and I answered it, terrified. What? what? <laughs> who is it? Who is it? Um, Do it come into my safe it? place? Um, are you still coming of- out of your shell after? Uh, lockdown in Melbourne and that kind of thing. Look, you know what a social butterfly I am, Chloe. Mm, I'm out and about down at the clubs, down at the discotheques, hanging out with young people. No, fuck no. I've been asleep. Really a lady about town. (laughs) (laughs) I've been asleep this entire pandemic. Who knows what's happening? Yeah. Now, speaking of food Mm. and cooking food and the people that cook food, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Okay, <laughs> that's that's how we're doing this again. Um, queen of segues, uh, Chef Peter Evans again <laughs> on our podcast, fucking again. And I'm really sorry. We'll make up for this later by having someone good on. Um, yes, an interview that we're doing later on in the show. But Chef Peter Evans has been in the news for um. Now we, you heard it here first. He's a fuckhead. Yeah. We now have long he's... thought that Peter is a fuckhead, <laughs> and um, we've we've been on the uh, fuck Peter train for a long, long time. Um, mm. But yeah, no, it was in the past week that um, he decided to post a meme to his Facebook page. I say meme mm-hmm. very, very loosely, um, mm. and it was a image of a caterpillar talking to a butterfly, and the caterpillar had a red MAGA hat on. And the, oh no, the caterpillar was saying you've I changed. Can't remember, yeah. And then it's talking oh, to yeah. a butterfly that has a Nazi mm. symbol known as the black sun, mm-hmm. I believe, on it. Correct. And the butterfly says we're supposed to change. Obviously, inferring that um, people, the MAGA people, are eventually going to become Nazis. And of Pete which he is one. Yes, yes definitely. He's won the hat. Uh, He's worn the MAGA hat. He's uh, spoken openly about his um, respect for Donald Trump. And Mm -hmm. uh, when someone pointed out that it was the black sun in the butterfly, he responded with, I was waiting for someone to notice that and Mm. is now trying to say that he didn't know. Um, He didn't know that it was a Nazi symbol. And uh, he's posted fucking bullshit. Cooked shit about symbols and stuff in the past. That is. He absolutely. And he told someone to to check their knowledge of the history of Germany or something like that. For those of of you who are catching up, this is our our version of Gwyneth Paltrow here, except a lot more evil. Yeah. Let's just say that. That'll do. Yeah. He's, uh, so yes, yeah, so he's outed himself as a, uh, a Nazi now and has uh, had his world crumble around him in the space of about two days where he's lost his uh, cookbook publisher. Um, mm-hmm. He got sacked from, he was just about to go into the jungle for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And they sacked him on the day that he was supposed to start filming. If um, only he had have gotten eaten by a boa constrictor or something, although I wouldn't want to wish that on a poor snake, you know. Yeah, might, no, might make was... him fucking sick. Yeah, poor, poor snakes just like, oh, I've got to vomit this up. <laughs> um, oh, no. no, but it's um, it, that would have made for good TV watching Pete Evans being like swallowed alive by a boa Oh, and then vomited up by but, a um, snake. Mm, that's pretty good. So he's had yeah, um, deals with his wellness bullshit with various publishers, Coles, Woolworths. Woolworths, yeah. Um, Those or, are our major uh, supermarket chains, by the way. Yes, correct. Yeah. 
So all uh, of them have basically said, fuck you, Peter, and have cut contracts left, right and centre. So Finally. But, you mm. know, it's just taken um, him posting a neo-Nazi symbol, not trying to rip money out of sick people or sell a biocharger to people to try and um, cure yeah. them of coronavirus with fucking light. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It took him posting a neo-Nazi symbol and, you know, being well aware of it for big WK mm. Mart target channel 10 to cut him off it's really Mm. interesting knowing where the line is you know like now that we know that people can say whatever they want basically and it only takes being a nazi and being publicly a nazi for them to lose their job oh yeah and like 10 days ago he was like literally posting about snake oil he um Oils for passion, cheer, peace, forgiveness, and his favorite motivation. We want to teach you what we know about these amazing oils in ways which you can teach your tribe. What a fuckhead. And yourselves and your family how to use them. I know. Effectively for long-term sustainable health. So wait, he was trying Uh, to flog. Are they essential oils on his? Buy oils now. (laughs) So he's literally trying to flog essential oils on his page 10 days ago. Just the yeah. honestly, the harm that people like him inflict on the chronic illness community and just sick people in general is so mm-hmm. horrendous. And it, yeah, it does shit me to tears that this is like this was the breaking point for all of the money mm. coming into his life, all the you know corporations that were totally fine for him to rip off sick people constantly, left, right, and center. But you know that this is the line, you know. Mm. So fuck him. Him and his Nazi bullshit. I'm glad that he's lost everything, well, but um, yeah, you know. there is like an interesting connection between wellness and uh, far right overlaps, um, hippies and New Age and Nazism, yeah. which we'll go into on an episode in the future because we do want to talk about wellness as a movement as opposed mm. to actual, you know, science and healthcare. Yes, absolutely. Uh, mm. Hope he never gets a job again. Um, but in better news, we have our second guest of the podcast series, our second guest ever, coming up soon. So stay with us and we'll be back with the next segment shortly. So, welcome to our second interview ever on Chronically Fully Sick. We are pleased, proud and honoured to have fam daddy, hot mom, writer, screenwriter, academic, community worker, migrant and person who takes me to get cheeseburgers when I'm drunk on New Year's Eve. It's true, I do. <laughs> Nadine Shamali on this week. Hello, darling. How are Hello, you? Hello, Nadine. I'm very well. Hello, Chloe. <laughs> You're a bit tired today. Because you were doing queer stories last night, right? I, I was. I was. I was with the gays, um, and it was such a lovely night. Stephen Oliver was hosting because uh, the lovely Maeve Marsden couldn't be with us due to COVID, which was sad that Maeve couldn't be there. But Stephen knocked it out of the park. He's a very, very funny person, um, and it was just a really wonderful night. Really great to connect with community on the Gold Coast. There's mm. n- never really been a, a an arts or queer scene that you know people have really felt a part of there's always been queers and there's always been art um but to have it all in one place was just beautiful oh the photos looked gorgeous i can't imagine a lot of it goes on at the uh, miami shark bar on the Gold coast it's actually gone joe i'll tell you about it later shark bar's gone (laughs) just queensland things guys there's nothing left no there is vinnie's dive but anyway yeah, Gold Coast. There's a new, <laughs> bubbling, beautiful community down there. It sounds um, beautiful. I'm very excited about. Regardless of these activities, you're a very busy person who is actually really sick as well. Um, yeah. And that's why we're having you on the show. 
So tell us what the fuck is wrong with you, Nadine? Look who the fuck knows, which is really uh, which is really the the answer of anyone who has a chronic sickness. I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we it's a it's a long list that we can rattle off. So you know, we've done fibromyalgia, IBS, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with some lovely Epstein Barr glandular fever type Ooh, things yeah. that kind of sent everything off into a spiral. You know, and then for years they were like, oh, it's just depression and anxiety. Here, take all these tablets. And then uh, they they kind of like, I mean, they helped my mood, definitely, but um, they didn't fix the problem. So kind of struggled with that um, for a really long time. And then recently a diagnosis of adenomyosis, which is where the walls of your uterus uh, are thickened and filled with blood. So it's kind of like endometriosis, but it's inside the wall of the uterus itself. Yeah, it's kind of like the sister thing to endometriosis, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But unlike endo, where you can go in and kind of cut it out if they can see it, Mm. uh, adenomyosis, you you can't really do much except maybe get a marina. Yeah, Um, sure. I'm going to give that a bat um, in the next couple of months and see how that goes. Um, yeah, if it doesn't work, you can uh, always remove it yourself. Oh, God. Yeah, so so we've heard about people doing <laughs> yeah. that, Joanna. If you want to go back a couple of episodes, <laughs> listeners, and listen to uh, Joanna tell everyone about how she removed her marina <laughs> while at work um, just by herself. Just do not do not do it. Yeah, I'd recommend you don't go do back and listen. Do not listen or do that. <laughs> no. Sorry, continue, Nadine. <laughs> No, uh, uh, it's a really good story. Uh, and yeah, so uh, I'm scheduled for some surgery, some investigative surgery on the 4th of December um, to check out for some endometriosis. I also have some polyps and growths, the tumour in my uh, in my uterus as well as adenomyosis. So they're going to take that out, um, do some biopsies, uh, check that it's not the big, big casino uh, cancer and go from there. The big the casino. Big casino. <laughs> I, I've never heard it's that a jackpot. It's a jackpot. Oh my god! This is the only podcast Sorry. in the world where we laugh about cancer. Oh my god! <laughs> it actually, I stole that. Here. I stole that from the Sopranos. I think I remember really? Junior Soprano once. Yeah, called it that. So, oh, you know, as a big Sopranos fan, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say, Maron? Oh, Maron. Maron. Oh no. <laughs> There's some great hand gestures here. For yeah, there's an Instagram account called Ooh. Sopranos Hand Gestures, and it's just Sopranos oh, Hand Gestures. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's great content. <laughs> it is beautiful. You know, and then like I had a, an endoscopy and colonoscopy the other week, like a week ago, and had a bit of surgery, a little bit taken out of my stomach, and some um, tumors taken out of the area just outside of my intestine, um, which is is great. Uh, waiting on the results for that, so making sure again, um, no big cancer type scares. You you know, uh, it's been a process. It's been a long, slow process of trying to get a diagnosis. And, um, you know, I've got a good GP now and she's kind of of the opinion that it's just lots of things at once. Yeah. Um, and that's always a hard thing, isn't you know, it? When you're like, you see, you think you've got the answer and you start treatment for it and then other things continue and you're like, well, is this the, am I going on the wrong treatment or is it, you know, sort totally. of, I, it's something else on top of that, you know, it's, it is, it's so tough. Yeah. So basically I'm going about it by making a list of things and just kind of trying to tick off one at a time and like, okay, I'm going to get to this and then I'm going to get to that and get to that. And it means a lot of specialists and a lot of doctors and it gets very expensive. Oh yeah. The Spoonie bucket list. We've got a different... Well, like the fuck it list, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> We've got a different bucket list to everyone else. It's uh, Ours is much more expensive yeah. than traveling to, you know, somewhere and skydiving. Have you, in your memory, Nadine, like have you always been a sick person or was there some sort of point where you went, oh... Yeah, hang on. I'm 40 now, um, and I think the first time was shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, I know, right? Those boobs would not lead me to believe with that old face. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. When I was um, 20, I had my first round of glandular fever, and that's when everything kind of went pear shaped. Um, Mm. Before that, I was super, super healthy. And then I had this round of glandular fever and chronic fatigue that came after. And now, you know, uh, research is showing that there's something called post-viral syndrome, which is very serious and very real. Um, The newest COVID research is showing that the post-viral syndrome of COVID mirrors 
previous post-viral syndromes like the ones that come with diseases like CMV and Epstein-Barr and these kind of things. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming EBV for it, but that was the first time that I noticed that I was unwell. Same here. And then, you yeah. know, a few years doing that, got bit, got a bit better. Um, but yeah, always kind of had aches and pains and things that didn't feel right. IBS type stuff, stomach stuff that didn't feel right. Um, and that was from childhood. We even have a joke in my family that we have Schmeerly gut, which is my surname, you know, like a, <laughs> the, the whole family just like has this gut thing. And my son now has Schmeerly gut. He's, he's eight and he has it. So he's seeing, you know, a gastro specialist, yeah. a pediatric gastro specialist and a whole heap of other things as well. And um, kind of realizing that I have a child that also is potentially going to be prone to these chronic sickness and chronic conditions is probably one of the most distressing factors of having a chronic mm, sickness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. common fear with Spoonies about having kids and that kind of stuff about, because we don't know a lot about our own illnesses as well. Like that sort of fear of, exactly. I don't know what's genetic and what's not like, or if it's just my yeah. body or will it, but yeah, I completely empathize. It's something that you a know, lot of people but think But then about. starting to see it in him as well mm. and, you know, spending two, three nights a week with him crying because his gut's hurting and things Aww. aren't working and his bowels aren't great. Poor and, little baby. You know, it's starting to interrupt his schooling and things like that. It's just like, oh, God, what have I done to this poor little baby? Mm. Um, you know, the rest of parenting, though, as a Spoonie, is actually really great. Yeah, so I was going to ask about that. Me and Chloe do not have children. Mm -hmm. Um that I know of but I can, yeah you have dogs yeah I've got dogs oh I gave birth in my sleep one time and I yeah, yeah the kids just run off it's not um, the weirdest story I've heard about you <laughs> I can't imagine actually adding a kid to the mix of yeah. all of this a lot of the time um are there any kind of management strategies that you use to manage that I mean how does she do it all She's so busy. Yeah. She doesn't. Hey, Dean has it all. She doesn't. <laughs> no, I fail. I fail constantly all the time and it's great. Um, and I think just coming to terms with the fact that you're not going to be perfect. And that is, is a, um, you know, whether you're chronically sick or not, you just have to accept that parenting is kind of a little bit fucked, but kind of a little bit amazing and rad and awesome. The fact that I have a split parenting arrangement with my baby daddy is a huge, huge help. Um, I would never have a child with someone I was in a relationship with, um, which often shocks people. They're like, oh, but family and partners living in the same house. It sounds awful to me. Um, I hate the thought of that. <laughs> a nuclear family. Um, I love hate it. <laughs> Chuck it yeah, out the window. No, gross. Don't yeah. do it. Seriously, have a baby with someone, your, your best mate, that you can um, send the kid off to uh, every weekend or every second weekend and have some you time. I think that people who have babies in nuclear families don't get that. They Makes have sense. a child and then their home and their partner's home and neither of them gets a break. Um, whereas with split parenting, I get to send my child off to his dad's, someone who I love and trust and care about. Um, now, he used to suck. <laughs> but I can say that about him now on radio, you know, yeah. or on podcast and it's fine. Yeah. So that that is one super big help. Um, the second one is, is managing my expectations. There are nights where we will have pizza for dinner, which is pita bread with cheese and tomatoes cut up on the side. And that's a balanced, nutritious dinner that I can whip up in 20 seconds, you know, in the grill and it's fine. You know, it, it, it's, I actually love being a parent. I think it rules. The only thing about parenting um, that I actually do regret, and, and I've only come to this conclusion in the last few months, is I wish I did it earlier. So how old were you when you had Mikey? Um, which, you know, or 30, 30, 31, 32. Mm -hmm. I think I was 31 mm -hmm. when I got pregnant, 32 when I dropped him. Um, and um, <laughs> now that I'm 40 and I have an eight-year-old, I've got to have all this energy and he wants to do after-school sports and there's activities and I don't care and I don't <laughs> want to do them and I have to and it's really hard. Um, that's the only thing that I, I don't love about parenting yeah. is having to do all the stuff your energy um, levels so totally i would have knocked this out at 18 in hindsight gotten it out of the way by now i would have an adult child who could drive me places mm. um your social media is really cute too, Nadine, but I have a feeling it doesn't actually <laughs> reflect your real life. Yeah, look.
look, I think people, it's impossible to show people what your real life is like. Um, my real life is very quiet and um, I'm actually, believe it or not, an introvert. And a lot of people don't realize that because I'm so loud and outspoken online. No, my social media doesn't really reflect my life. It looks like I've got this great, you know, I go to the park twice a week with my kid. And I, all of those things are real but it doesn't have this like, caption. I wish we could kind of caption like, went to the park, it was so beautiful and great. My back and shoulders hurt so much, I cried. Mm. I've taken two Panadol, two Nurofen to get there. Um, I'm sipping a ice long black to get through this hour long park visit, mm. um, you know, and got home and put on a massager and had a cry. Yeah, um, totally. So, you know, it's, um, it's kind of difficult. Um, to show people what your life is really like. Um, I don't see my friends a lot. You know, I'm, I'm very quiet. I saw my best friend, Ange, last night, and I've seen her once uh, in a year. Hi, Ange. We love Ange. We yes, love Ange. We love and stand Ange. Um, you know, yeah. And, you know, Joe, Joe, how many times have you seen me in 10 years? Twice? Three times? Twice. One you of know? those times you were delivering a care package to me, and I think I was problematically answering the door in a turban with a giant <laughs> joint and like a kimono on as well. You, you were wearing oh this God. beautiful like um, widow woman frilly uh, coaty thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you looked a, like you just murdered your ex-husband. It was a royal blue Victorian velvet um, dressing so gown beautiful. and a turban, I think. I, I, I just, I was just going turbo problematic. <laughs> I, it was a long time ago. That's how, that's was, how much I've seen Nadine. It's true. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I'm, I like to say to people that I'm the, the, the best friend in emergencies. So I'm mm. the guy that you can call at 4am and like, Nadine, just bring me a Valium and you don't have to see me. I'll just leave it in your mailbox. I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. Mm. <laughs> Um, yeah really good at that stuff. i very much identify with that also never call me on the phone you're like that <laughs> yeah, as don't, well don't i never, never i don't call care me. about the telephone i don't want to talk to you mm. i'm not interested unless it's an emergency and you need to cry you know i'll answer the phone and listen to you if someone oh, calls okay. me i'm always like oh my god what's wrong oh my god because no, everyone knows yeah. not to ring me yeah totally and i think that's also a, a chronically fully sick thing isn't it like all of us want to be there for our friends and we love our friends and um, love them quite fiercely and we'll do anything for them. But at the same time, you need this mental space, this physical yeah. space, this mm -hmm. um, kind of room to just convalesce. Mm. I just need quiet so I can heal at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really hard for a lot of people to understand as well. So, you know, it affects a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships to, to know, for people to understand that you need that time out. Totally. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of relationships too, you acted as your mum's carer. Um, mm -hmm. You have it at various points. Um, and your mum is also chronically ill. Do, do you think, because you guys are, are migrants from um, Lebanon, which we haven't mm. actually mentioned, mm. do you think chronic illness and women's health problems are sort of handled differently culturally? Only in so much as it's not really acknowledged in my culture mm. as far as I know. Um, mm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, just buckle down and get on with it. I think the Western world potentially um, is starting to acknowledge chronic illness a lot more um, mm. than other parts of the world. And I think that's because, you know, it's, it's a second, third world country at the moment. I can't really comment on what happens there now. I don't mm. know if Lebanon hadn't experienced a war, how different it would be. I, I can't say. I remember seeing the post about your mum that um, she was shot before you guys left yeah. Lebanon and it, she was just that's like, right. She just kind of soldiered on through it, you know, like she totally. just was just, oh, well, that's, we'll just get up and keep going kind of thing. Yeah, so is that yeah. the and kind then, of mentality? You know, that's exactly that, that mentality. You know, she's been through so much in her life and she just kind of like, she was shot in the leg and had a cast for three years and then uh, picked up her kids and her family and moved them to Australia on her own. And my dad stayed back mm. and, you know, sorted things out and mum got us and the kids out and, you know, on one leg with, you know, two 12, 13 year old and a babies. Yeah. Um, what a woman. And she just did it, you know, and, and that's the way she's handled her chronic sickness as well. She just kind of powers through and 
I wish that she had the kind of support that we're finding now. Absolutely. Um, I wish that she had the community that we have now. Um, she just kind of had to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has uh, cancer now and has for, you know, five, six years. Um, mm. And she just kind of worked full time through chemo and worked full time, you know, well in the 60s and 70s. And she's working now. She's having immunotherapy. Um, you know, she's just finished another course of treatment and, you um, she's still working but to her that i think she's also from this different generation of women um where to her not working is equivalent to death you know for sure Uh, for her if she stops she's never going to start again yeah and that to her is the start of her degeneration which is kind of inspirational yeah, I, rem- I remember seeing a poster, I think when she was going into somewhere for treatment as well, that you said that she was just wandering around trying to help all the other people in the, totally, in the hospital totally. or something. That's mum. Yeah, and you were like, yep. mum, you've, you've got to rest. Like, you're a patient. You don't yep. work here. And she was like, that's right. no. You don't need to cook for anyone or anything. Yeah. It's cool, mum. Like, just chill out. Yeah. But that keeps her going. And that's mm-hmm. been inspiring in a way, knowing that no matter what my body's telling me, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Mm. It's like a mental resilience thing. Mm. Totally. Look, and as awful as chronic sicknesses are, the ones that I have, they're not actually going to kill me. Mm-hmm. They're going to burn me out. They're going to hurt me. They're going to exhaust me and whatever, but they're not going to kill me. Yeah. And if I can just stay on top of it enough to keep going, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And, and that's a message I kind of have learned from her. Um, you know, just keep at it. You're okay. Take a rest and try again. Um, tomorrow will be easier. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. You know, like there's always a better day coming. Um, and, and that's, I guess, chronic sickness tricks you, doesn't it? Into you think it's the end of the road. It's kind of like anxiety and kind of like depression. You think this is the worst that it's going to be and it's never going to get better. And there's absolutely nothing you can do. And that's also kind of like your brain being an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. It's telling you falsehoods. Um, what it's actually telling you to, to slow down and take a break yep. and start again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's a really valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that you speak up about fat phobia a lot in your uh, writing and your social media. Um, and there's been, there's always a lot of discussion around this in the chronically sick communities. Um, but mm-hmm. do you find that fat phobia is a prevalent problem in the medical industry for you? Huh. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> to the point where, you know, I, I've known a lot of doctors and they have these codes sometimes in, in hospitals and whatever. And one of them, you know, a, a doctor's code that they kind of write on the medical records is um, LFK. And I remember asking my ex, who was a doctor, what does that mean? You know, when they write that. And he said, that means little fat kid. Um, so what? a little fat kid oh. came in today. Yep an LFK and they have also, you know, and and this has been a really big problem in hospitals where it's kind of been phased out and addressed, but traditionally they had all these little codes. And there's one that's kind of like a hysterical woman Mm, or, you know, someone who's faking it or someone who's just here for drugs. So, you know, just the fact that the the medical industry um, once upon a time had these codes and one of them was little fat kid. Um, you know, I mean, that's the basis of medicine and, and, you know, that's one of their shorthands that they were using. And I'm sure, you know, modern doctors don't use that at all. And it, and it was quite a specific area. Mm. But if you Google it, there's a whole heap of articles about Whoa. it, about the LFK. Uh, that is crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, um, yes, there is a lot of fat phobia. Um, there's this immediate assumption that because you're fat, everything is related to that. And look, for me, sometimes that's true. My fibro has gotten worse as I put on weight. My blood sugar levels have gotten worse as I've put on weight. Like absolutely, for me, there is a correlation. Not on everything. I've had doctors try to convince me that my depression is based on, you know, my weight or something else is, you know, and try and explain to them that that's not always the case. Like I've had diabetes since I weighed 64 kilos Mm -hmm. um, because I have a family history of diabetes. No, no. Now that you're a hundred kilos, Nadine, it's definitely because of your weight. That's the only, you know, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. The depression stuff is, is bizarre. It's like saying to you that you couldn't possibly be happy at the weight that you yeah. are basically like that's oh god right. what a load of crap right it's it's baffling like mm. i understand that 
being at a higher weight means that maybe I'm not as physical, maybe I'm not as active, maybe I'm not as out there. Look, I'm sure for me personally, and this is not the case because there are a lot of fit, fat people. Mm, oh, you know, God, yeah. Fatness and fitness are not equivalent. Yeah. For me, they are equivalent because as I've put on weight, my fitness has gone out the window. But I think even if I'd been a very thin person too, I still would be unfit. Um, yeah, so I do have a funny doctor story. I recently decided, okay, look, obviously for me, my weight is a bit of a factor. Um, I'm going to go to a place called the Obesity Clinic. Oh, that um, sounds at, nice. At, yeah, it sounds ominous. Right? It's really welcoming. <laughs> um, um, no, I went in, you know, I thought, oh, maybe they'll give me some sort of shakes or something for a little bit and, you know, refer me to a trainer. And I thought, oh, maybe a nutritionist and a dietitian and, you know, some, yeah. some kind of more support for... Um, you know, wanting to kind of get a little bit fitter and healthier and, and kind of reconsider my eating habits. And I thought maybe they'll have a holistic approach and, you know, really kind of um, help me, educate me on uh, body and health and all of these yeah. kinds of you things. You would think so. Instead, yeah. Um, yeah, so I walked out of there um, with a referral to a surgeon um, for uh, gastric banding mm. or some sort of fat surgery. Wow. Oh, God. No, no, it gets better. I've actually got it here. She gave me this little this little box, this package um, of a medication which you inject into your body, you know, a couple of times a day what? and it helps you lose weight. Yep. So this is like this super like rich lady, you know, women of that live up on the hill kind oh. of go and, and see this clinic. And she gave me this, this welcome pack. As you what? can see okay. right there, I'm showing them. It's called Sixenda and it's a medication that you inject into your body several times a day and it stops you being hungry. It's an appetite what? suppressant? It's an appetite suppressant. Oh, my god! It was originally invented as a medication for diabetes. But it comes with this, like, whole, like, and it's $400 usually, but she gave me this big thing of it. So, see, this is like a little package. I'll send you photos if you want to oh show them. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. And this injection pen, and she was like, you know, sometimes my husband and I on the weekends when we don't want to eat, we just give ourselves a little, you know, <gasps> top up so that we don't what? have to. This is a doctor. Oh I'm not joking. God. We just give ourselves a little, you know, jab, jab, and we don't eat for the weekend and it's great. And, you know, I just want you to try it. Try it for a few weeks. It's not lip filler. Want... <laughs> oh, my God. And then I was like, is this what rich women do? Yes. Because it's like 400 oh a vial and, you know. I was like, is this how the other side lives? You know, people with dental? Um, like, yeah. is this what they do? And the so, you know, like, like, the flippant, like the flippancy of just being like, oh, yeah, we just give ourselves a little so jab, jab. Like, oh, totally. I can top just it up a whenever jab, I want. You know, and, yeah, and, and, you know, you can, and it comes with this, um, it comes with a measuring tape for you to measure how much Fuck you've lost. Me. I'm showing you the measuring tape here. And, um, you know, your little injectables. What? Um, you know, little vials of injectables. She gave me this free samples to like try it. And I just Is this an MLM? walked out of there. Is this like a no, pyramid scheme? A real GP, like a real fucking doctor. I put it, what? it was on Medicare. Like I, I paid the Medicare gap to see wow. this person. Um, you know, and like the, the surgeon recommendation, okay, whatever. There's some sort of yeah. obsession with hacking your body up for weight loss or whatever. But, you know okay, if that's what you recommend, but to give me a medication for someone that came in to see you and go, I'd like to see a nutritionist and yeah. I'd like to kind of maybe see an exercise physiologist and do some holistic yeah. help for my body, you know, didn't look over my history, didn't look over, you know, the fact that I've got high blood pressure or that I've got fibro or that I've got any of these other things um, that, you know, are contradictory to injecting yourself yeah. with this shit. Like I'm probably speaking from like the knowledge that I have of appetite suppressants being a huge thing in the 90s, mm -hmm. but like a lot of them mm -hmm. were like contraindicated with um a lot of antidepressants Absolutely. and that kind of stuff. Like it's really dangerous. Absolutely. So the beauty about this one is I came home and googled it, mm. and um, there's actually a class action, of course, oh, against classic. it for some in the US. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, Ooh, oh, wow. great. that's so nice. I'm so glad that happened. Um, yeah, that's unbelievable. So I've got this in my fridge that I don't know what to do with. I have health issues because I am underweight. And yet if mm -hmm. I presented myself in, in an emergency room next to someone that was bigger, mm -hmm. I would be seen as healthy. And yet a person yeah. who is uh, like, you know, bigger in some way and 
completely fit and all of that kind of stuff would be treated horrendously because of their totally. weight. You know, yeah, totally. And, you know, sometimes you get like a young jock guy in the emergency room, like a young kind of, you know, doctor that's kind of still maybe doing his, his training pre-registrar and he kind of goes, um, oh, well, you know, you're, you're, you're a bit bigger. Mm. Um, he doesn't actually say that. You're a bit bigger. <laughs> And you're like fat. I'm I'm fat, buddy. And he, oh, you're not fat. I'm like, well, just what what are you doing? You're yeah. trying to tell me that I am or I'm not. Yeah. Um. But, but the fact that you can actually sometimes see it on their faces really hurts. Oh, you know, well, like you actually see this visceral. It's almost like when you're dating and someone sees you and they they think you're too fat or something like that. You know, there's this real visceral reaction that you see on pieces people's faces sometimes and yeah. um it hurts it hurts so much and it hurts to not be taken seriously yeah um you especially know, because it's it, all about again, appearance you know like they don't know your healthy status by appearance like because that's impossible so totally. they're treating you like absolute garbage when it's that they haven't even treated you yet and that's their whole job no <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you, you see people like in the chronically fully sick group who say, you know, my cholesterol is perfect, my blood sugar is perfect, mm-hmm. my, um, you know, my blood pressure is perfect, all of my stats are perfect, I'm fit, I ride a bike, I do all of these things, but I will walk into a doctor and they'll go, you know, oh, this is the problem. Yeah. Um, and it's contradictory, mm, you know, totally. it, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Health isn't about mm, appearance, yeah. it's not about weight, it's no. they're two, they're no. totally and separate things. some people... But, but for some people, absolutely, weight is a factor. Like my cholesterol and my blood mm-hmm. sugar, absolutely affected by my weight. They're, they're exacerbated yep. by my weight. That yep. is not the cause of those problems. Mm-hmm. Will it help if I lose a little bit of weight? Probably, yep. And I'm, I'm a realist, you know, and mm-hmm. I kind of get into a bit of trouble sometimes with the um, fat positive community because I say things like that. Um, but but it's a fact for me personally. Yeah, and it's you're allowed to talk about your own experience. Everybody. Yeah. Exactly. And, but it's not the case for everybody. And I think that's super important that everyone always acknowledges that totally. every single person is different. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, the case with all chronic illness anyway, mm-hmm. totally. I, I would totally. say like what works for my fibro isn't going to work for yours or Chloe's. No. Mm-hmm. It's the same. No. So let's move on to our next section, which is Spoonie Hotline. Woo! We have opened the floodgates to the fully sick community. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get in touch with us and leave us a voice memo. Uh, send that to our email, which is chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com. Uh, we started doing this last episode and we have gotten a fair few messages from the community. Yeah, so many. Um, Thank yeah. you so much. So we're going to play three today and we're so honoured and privileged to have, you know, your stories hit our ears. Um, the first one is from Sean. Spoonie Hi guys, I'm Sean. I'm a 33-year-old actor, primary school teacher and jack-of-all-trades and I have cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis primarily affects the lungs and digestive system because of a malfunction in the exocrine system that's responsible for producing saliva, sweat, tears and mucus. There is currently no cure, so fun times. Um, I have a lot of daily care for my CF um, and it involves mainly intensive daily physiotherapy to clear the lungs, uh, enzyme replacement capsules with food to help my digestion, antibiotic therapy to treat lung infections and lots of other tablets and vitamins, uh, nebulizers, physiotherapy, salt and vitamin supplements. I need to have a nutritious diet that's also high calorie, high salt and high fat. So I essentially am recommended to eat KFC more often, which my friends are all pretty jealous about. Um, My CF story is a bit of a rare one. Um, I was officially diagnosed with cystic fibrosis in 2016. However, I had been displaying symptoms of the disease since I was a child. Uh, My older sister Gemma had CF and passed away in 1998. And because my symptoms didn't match hers identically, doctors over the years fobbed me off and gave me so many misdiagnoses, I can't even count how many times. I was getting sicker and sicker, my parents pleading with doctors to get me diagnosed, saying, he is showing signs like symptoms and signs like his sister Gemma, can you just do something? Um, it was a very frustrating process. There were so many doctors, so many doors slammed shut, so many random hospital stays for treatments that I didn't need and wouldn't help me. 
Um, I would be spending weeks and months on end in little stints in hospital and in bed. Um, And in 2016, I think my body just said, I can't do this anymore. Um, And I got severely unwell, which forced the doctors to give me a formal diagnosis at the Alfred Hospital. I honestly don't want to think what would have happened to me if I didn't get my diagnosis when I did. Um, My family and I were considering legal options, but we decided that life is ultimately too short and I should just get on with it as best I can because it takes too much energy to be angry and I barely have enough energy as it is. So, Um, Having CF affects so much of my life, I really wasn't prepared for how much, even though I spent so much of my time being unwell growing up. I think once I had the diagnosis and I was sort of in the CF club as it was, I kind of didn't realise sort of my limitations and the things that I would face. Um, For example, like when I realised my dream of being an actor, finally, I struggled to maintain rehearsals and shows, breath work, physical work. Um, A lot of directors wouldn't sort of adjust their sort of schedule or their rehearsal process in order for me to work in terms of sometimes giving me a chair or just giving me opportunities really that I just wasn't getting. Um, I struggled to find employment. I struggled to find somebody to take me seriously enough to employ me. Uh, I was seen as liability because of my illness. Um, I'm a primary teacher by trade. And for example, after disclosing my illness to various schools, I only got one day a week contracts. So that was fun. Over the years being in the hospital system, I definitely have had my fair share of shit doctors and nurses. I've had nurses who don't know a single thing about CF and would sometimes dominate my hospital stays by telling me I was wrong and give me wrong information and treatments. I've had doctors who assumed I didn't have a life outside of my illness and resigned me to just sit in my chair at home and whittle my days away. I had doctors advise me that I'll never be able to travel overseas or teach. I even had one doctor who advised me to get a HIV test when he realised I was in a same-sex relationship. So, fun times there. You're also seen as a shit friend to people that don't really know you. So, with CF, you can't bank from one day to the next if you're able to hang out with your friends. It's debilitating that my body betrays me so often and randomly that I can't have lunch with my friends and guarantee it will happen. Dating is also really hard. It's like... When do you tell someone? When is the right time? You don't want to bombard them or overwhelm them, but you don't want to leave it too late and possibly cost you your health. I've had guys bail on me when they've asked me for a hike or a walk and still wanting to see them, but being mindful of my illness, telling them about my CF and telling them why I can't hike or go for a walk today. However, we can maybe get a coffee or sit somewhere and talk. They get baffled and leave. Um... Other guys won't stop talking to me about my CF where I suddenly don't have a personality other than my illness. Um, So lots of factors that I kind of didn't anticipate would happen to me that I'm still riding the waves four years later. But chronic illness is fucked, but I try not to let it dampen my quality of life. Um, This year, unfortunately, with COVID and everything and my health taking a battering, I had to make the difficult decision that I won't be able to teach anymore. So that was a really sort of hard decision for me to make, but as much as it was sad, at least it was my decision and not a doctor's. Um, I'm considering further study options to pivot my career, to find something I'm passionate about, but also won't cost me my health. But um, it's been hard, but at least at the end of the day that I have wine. So that's, at the end of the day, there's always wine, at least in my book. So Oh boy. Shawnee, I sure. love you so much. That thank you so much for that message. That was just so like thorough and I was like vigorously shaking my head the entire time in a like emphatic yes. Yeah. With so many of your mm. so many of your experiences. It, it sounds uh, so much so intense uh and so all-encompassing of your life mm. um and the doctor you know, I feel stuff. like a, what i experience is a sliver of, of you know just imagining the dating and the friendships um that have ended because of it mm. um it's so heartbreaking when people don't understand yeah um so it was really interesting yeah. hearing like when- sean say about the um when people like sort of don't, won't stop talking about your illness and make that this like primary 
thing about your personality and it's like no no I'm a whole person with many different facets like chronic illness is just one thing that's part of my life you know like it may encompass everything but you know it reminds me of how people deal with grief if you are around someone that's just lost someone you some people don't know what to say or they just keep talking about it there's so many things that I could touch on there and that I totally agree with even though our illnesses are completely different yeah Um, even though we do have all of these different things that's why we're such a strong community because we have these overlapping experiences even if we don't have the exact same symptoms you know um and Sean also really likes nine inch nails which is really great yes (laughs) because I did mention I did mention to Sean about um, our hero, Bob Flanagan, mm, hell cystic yeah. fibrosis warrior, um, who was also in a Nine Inch Nails video, which I would recommend not watching if you're a squeamish. Mm, um, okay, let's go on to our next call. This is Isabella. Hey, my name is Bella. I'm 24 and I'm from Sydney, which is Gadigaland, and I have endometriosis. I have had my period for 10 years and it's always been pretty excruciating. Uh, I'd have to come home from school or stay home from school. I had really bad lower back pain and nausea and I'd often get headaches. Uh, My periods weren't always super heavy, which I think is why it took me so long to think about endometriosis. I always heard it was just really, really heavy, painful periods and mine were really painful, but they weren't that heavy. So I didn't really think much of it. But as I got older, they got worse and worse. They did become extremely heavy, really painful. I'd have nausea, I'd be dry retching and vomiting and I got bowel and bladder symptoms, which a lot of people with endometriosis get, even if the endometriosis lesions aren't on your bowel or your bladder, you can have bowel and bladder symptoms, which is so much fun. So I had rectal bleeding, abdominal pain after urinating and it felt like I had a UTI because I needed to go all the time. And I'd also get shooting vulva and rectal pain. I had painful bowel movements. I had really severe bloating, which is that uh, endo belly. If you've maybe seen it on Instagram or read about it, it's, you know, that huge belly that makes you look like you're pregnant. It's full of inflammation. It's very painful. And uh, having endometriosis led me to develop uh, chronic pelvic pain. So not only were my periods painful, but the last two years, Almost every day I get pelvic pain. So sometimes it's an uncomfortable and kind of distracting ache. Sometimes it's cramping or sharp. Sometimes it feels like someone's squeezing my ovaries really tight in a ball, uh, which is tricky uh, when you work for 12 hours in an emergency room. So that's been fun. But back to it. I was diagnosed 10 days ago. And the reason for that is even though my gynecologist for the last year suspected that I had it, The only way to diagnose it is by having laparoscopic surgery where they go in and they look and if they find it, they remove it. And she found quite a moderate amount and that's all gone. So I'm just recovering now, which is why I started listening to this podcast because I've been stuck on my couch and in bed for 10 days and I have a serious addiction to the Real Housewives of New York City. So (laughs) I was looking for some new podcasts. So endometriosis is a chronic inflammatory disease where tissue similar to, but not the same as, the lining of the uterus grows in other parts of the body. That is a really big myth with endometriosis, that it's the actual uterine or tissue or the uterus that causes the problems, but the tissue and the lesions of endometriosis are very similar. They respond to hormones and they can bled sorry, can bleed and shed like the lining of the uterus, but it's not the same. And that's something that I didn't know until I got diagnosed. So endometriosis affects everyone differently, but it causes chronic inflammation and the symptoms include, but are not limited to severe pelvic pain, period pain, rectal and vulva pain, heavy menstrual bleeding, pain when emptying your bowels or bladder, painful sex, headaches, bloating, lower back and leg pain, as well as buttock and thigh pain, fatigue and GI problems such as constipation and diarrhea. I had all of these symptoms, but it depends where the endometriosis is, uh, if you have any adhesions. So it's kind of think of it like glue that are sticking parts of your organs or things together that shouldn't be stuck together. So my fallopian tube was stuck to my peritoneum and 
sometimes your um, ovary can get stuck to your bowel, things like that. Um, so it depends, you know, every person is different what symptoms they're going to experience. And you can also get diaphragmatic and thoracic endometriosis, which might cause things like chest pain and shortness of breath. Uh, endo has been found as far as the brain. So I think it's really important about dispelling that myth that endometriosis is a problem with your uterus or it's just a problem with your pelvis and having extra pelvic endometriosis is not that uncommon I have it it was found in my urinary system so it was on my ureter um, and a lot of people have it outside on things like their bowel so don't be freaking out and thinking that you have endo in your brain but it's a whole body disease and I don't think many people understand how debilitating it can be, especially the fatigue and the pain in between your periods, as well as things like diarrhea, bloating, constipation, all of those things really impact you physically and mentally and your ability to work. Now, I am by no means an expert, but I got a lot of my information when I was researching and reading up about endometriosis from endometriosis australia and endometriosis.org as well as some really great instagrams endogram which is run by triple j's bridget is brilliant the endo journal and my pelvic pain were just a couple that really helped me when i was trying to figure out if i could have endometriosis and they provide a lot of evidence-based information so it's a really great place to start for a lot of people with endometriosis it's a really long journey to get a diagnosis and to get proper treatment. The average time is seven to 11 years. And I feel like I was really lucky. You know, I've had my period and lots of problems for 10 years, but it's only been two years of really trying to find answers. So the fact that I was diagnosed and had my surgery in those two years is is pretty incredible. And it may seem like a long time and it definitely felt like a long time, but I think I'm really lucky and pretty privileged that it'll happen so quickly. You know, we're told that painful and problematic periods are normal, which is not true. I definitely went to several different GPs and would talk about my periods and be shrugged off and told that it was normal for them to be a little bit painful and that it probably wasn't endometriosis or it wasn't anything serious. I was told I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which my gynecologist does not think is true. And I think the other really tricky thing with getting a diagnosis of endo is that there are so many symptoms and because it is a whole body disease, you kind of, I think personally, I struggle to put all the pieces together. And now that I have a diagnosis, it's like, oh, well, all of those bowel and um, digestive problems make sense. And so does the, the leg pain and the lower back pain and the headaches. Like you don't really think to put that all together with your period. And a huge percentage of women with digestive, uh, with endometriosis, sorry, are diagnosed with IBS because they present with digestive problems. Uh, I was diagnosed with IBS as well, and I really don't, I really think it's all just the endometriosis. It's not to say that you can't have IBS because a lot of women also have associated things like fibromyalgia or um, irritable bowel disease. Also, ultrasounds often don't find endometriosis. So if yours is clear, you know your body and you know if something's wrong. I was getting a lot of support uh, from some colleagues at work and some friends with endometriosis and all of them said that their ultrasounds were also clear and some of them have stage four endometriosis that wasn't picked up on an ultrasound. So, you know, the only way to officially diagnose it is by surgery, which is pretty shit for us. But in talking about surgery... Hysterectomies cannot cure endometriosis, neither can hormonal birth control or a gluten-free diet, as much as Gwyneth Paltrow would love to have us believe. <laughs> Sorry, I don't actually know if Gwyneth Paltrow ever stated that, but I did read a Goop article once that talked about holistically treating endometriosis. But long story short, excision surgery is the gold standard. Endometriosis is not the endometrium. And we, so using inclusive language because endometriosis can affect uh, cisgender, cisgender people as well as transgender women, transgender men. It can also affect men. It has been found in, uh, you know, people who identify as male, who are biologically male. It has been found. So, you know, we deserve 
better. We need more funding and more research into endometriosis. We need uh, clearer plans on how to diagnose and treat it for GPs. We need our, you know, we all know that the medical uh, community needs a bit of overhaul, especially when it comes to, and I'll sideline for a second, into women's health. You know, there's still that hysterical women myth. The amount of times that I went into the emergency room with pelvic pain and kind of got shrugged off or, you know, it was like, oh, it can't be that bad. Like you, you don't need opioids or, you know, I have generalized anxiety disorder and them seeing that I have a mental health history, they just automatically think that I'm not in pain, which is bullshit. Uh, I was even asked by a gynecologist in the emergency room once um, how my mood was. And my mood was shit because I had been in chronic pain. <laughs> so that was my little endo lowdown from a very much not expert. Uh, thank you for making this podcast. I think it's really important for the chronically ill community, but also for everybody else who is able-bodied and who is well, because I don't think people realize how tricky it really is. So thank you and peace out. So... Isabella. Now, a lot of that will sound familiar to you, especially, I think, Nadine. Um, And when Mm. she says she's not an expert on endometriosis, I beg to differ. (laughs) Yeah, that was so thorough. I give Isabella a medical degree, honestly, like straight up. Also, brain. What? Yeah, (laughs) that. I learned so much from Isabella just then because I'm firmly in the camp of I thought that up until very recently, I thought that there was no possible way that I could have endometriosis because my periods aren't like full on heavy. And Mm. so I always just kind of ruled that out despite having a bunch of the symptoms. And my doctor Mm. very recently said to me, I think we need to start thinking about getting you checked for it. And I was like, Mm. it completely blew my mind because I've always believed so many of the myths that Isabella just mentioned. And it, I just, I can't get over that they've managed to last so long. And even someone who looks into chronic illness stuff constantly like myself it's unbelievable and yeah the brain the brain thing completely threw me that is whoa and the pcos thing so i've been told i've got pcos i've been told that i would had it for years and years and years and again a specialist recently told me in the last month i don't think you've got pcos um and you know the fusing the ovary to one side of my uterus just like isabella mentioned i've had that um and it's hasn't been seen in scans before. I've had ultrasound after ultrasound after ultrasound. And it's only now for some reason that an ultrasound has shown it. Um, So really following up on that investigative surgery is so important. Yeah, Mm. it sounds like that's a really common story for so many um, people who live with endometriosis that they got told that there was no possible way they could have it for such a long time because a scan didn't show it. But scans just never seem to... It's just... It's just... Yeah, mm. it's just absolutely bizarre. Yeah, and it just seems like I everyone... learned so much just then. <laughs> Same, I'm like completely Wild. blown away. Yeah, thank you so much, mm. Isabella. That was amazing. Um, and our last one is Brooke, and that's a short one to wind up with. So let's Dude. hear from Brooke. Hey, it's Brooke from Black Wraparound and Radio Skid Row. I too am a chronically fully sick human. Um, also, being from Bankstown adds to my fully sickness. So I've got a. Um, genetic bone disease called multiple hereditary exostoses, um, which, I mean, it's not like super rare, but it's rare enough that every time I go to the doctors um, and I have to bring it up, they they give you that look, you know, the look of like, the what? You got the who? The What's that? What now? And you have to give them the whole spiel about what it is and how to explain it and blah, 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 blah. Um, or, you know, when you go get an x-ray for something that's not related to your... Uh, bony growths and the the tech freaks out on you which is really enjoyable I quite I love that that's really um, relaxing and a great experience for me so now you've got me on one you got me ranting about stuff I'll just have another whinge um you know I've been seeing because of the bone disease and the chronic pain that comes with it I've been seeing physios osteopaths chiropractors since I was like a little kid And um, it's only just probably two years ago that a physio finally diagnosed me with um, hypermobility syndrome. Uh, So I've been going in, getting cracked, getting manipulated and shit by people 
for years and years, my entire, like, you know, 33 years of my life, pretty much. And not one person has gone, oh, your body does weird things. It shouldn't be doing that. Maybe that's got something to do with your chronic pain and the subluxing of your joints. That's great. Oh, I love the medical industry. It's my favorite. So one more, just I promise. So <laughs> uh, apparently my grandfather used to tour around um, universities and hospitals um, and get paid to basically be a bony freak show um, for doctors to like sort of gore cat and shit. And that's something I used to, I guess, have to do as a kid, not to get paid, but um, that, that you know, I, I remember distinctly being five and having to walk around in my undies in front of the doctor um, so he could see how I walked and how weird my gait was and how weird my limbs, long limbs, um, were growing. And, um, you know, one of those doctors suggested, and this makes zero sense and is complete junk science, um, insisted actually that I sleep with my toes tied to the end of the bed. So I couldn't pull my knees up when I slept. I was not allowed to sit on my feet because they thought that would affect the growth of my limbs. Literally has nothing to do with it. Uh, the bony growths off my limbs have got things to do with it. So that was fun. Enjoyable. Oh my God. What the absolute fuck. <laughs> Brooke. Yeah. Oh my Lord. That that bit at the end about the tying the toes to the end of the bed, it makes me think of those like medieval stretching torture devices. Like Yeah, the rack. The rack. That's bizarre. Not Nadine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the torture device, the rack. Um Wow. Brooke, also Nadine. That is wow, that is really unbelievable. I don't even know what to say. Freak show grandpa? Yeah. What is going on? There was so much to unpack there, but that was fascinating. Thank you. Literal child abuse. Yeah, oh for real. God. Child abuse. And also, you know, there's a little bit of, um, you know, Brooke is a woman of colour. She's black. And I don't know the heritage of her grandfather, but I believe she's mixed race. So whether he was black or not, there's something to that marching a black child around to have a look at them and to inspect them. It, really abhorrent. Um, I probably think that it may not have happened as commonly to white children. You know, I imagine that there was an element of that. So really respect Brooke for speaking up on it. You know, I have a lot of love and respect for Brooke outside of this, but now certainly more so upon hearing this story. Yeah, really shocked and, and a little bit horrified. Like it's, it's kind of giggle worthy as it is and, and she's framed it in a kind of wacky way. The reality of it, it is really shocking, deeply shocking. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. We very much um, empathise with the um, going to see physios and chiros and that kind of thing for years and years and years and then finally one turning around and going, do you know that you have all of these things and hypermobility and you sort of being like, why is this the first time anyone's ever mentioned it to me? That's It's so bizarre it's, mm. and it, that's a really common experience that's so, like so many Spoonies can relate to. That is, oh, yeah, I really learnt a lot there and that was uh, – really something to think about that I haven't really thought about before. That's, yeah, solidarity, mate. That is full on. Thank you. And if you would like to send us any more voice messages, talk into your phone, do a voice memo and email it to chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com. We would love to play it on the show. The more voices and experiences, the better. If you uh, have any sort of accessibility issues with uh, sending voice memos, please just do get in touch with us via chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com and we will do everything within our power to uh, make sure that we can get your voice on and uh, solve those issues for you, okay? Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today, Nadine. It was beautiful yes gorgeous you are a precious angel from so heaven to see you thank you so much for having me it's it's genuinely an honor like I know that sounds silly and kind of cliche and whatever but it really is you guys have built this amazing community um that I'm really grateful to be a part of um so yeah thank you thank you for all you're doing Aww. oh thank Aww. you and speaking of community <laughs> would you like to plug anything or say where people can reach you yeah yeah, sure. So if you just Google Nadine Schmele, I'm there everywhere. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, if you have anything to say, please get in touch. I run a bunch of communities, feminist networks, I guess, um, just for fun in my spare time. Um, so please join us, get in touch. I love to hear from people. Oh, and people can read your work on SBS. Is it SBS Voices? Um, and you know, there's links links on my Instagram and links on my everything. So, but yeah, my I love SBS Voices. Thanks so much. Mwah! 
We love you. Bye bye. We love you, Nadine. Bye bye bye. Bye bye. Woo. And there's no place I'd rather be